Is it still a game if there's money on the line? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to know. This week we'll be talking about ways that a game can get deadly serious in the real world sense. We're going to talk about gambling. Welcome back to The Snakes Cast. With me once again this week, Maddie McLean. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And Eric Lang. I love poker. In legal terms, the word gaming doesn't refer to playing games. It actually refers to gambling for money. And of all the tabletop games out there, probably the one with the highest profile is high-stakes poker. It's on TV, it's in James Bond movies, it's much more in the public eye than any of the games you'd see played at Snakes and Lattes. And I'd say that's not mainly because of how it plays, but because of the stakes that it's played for, millions of dollars. Eric, would you agree that's why poker is such a big deal culturally? Uh... I agree that's part of it. Mm. It's absolutely part of it. Um, the fact that, I mean, it, the poker played for real-world stakes for, for money is, is just a microcosm of business, right? Every, the way we conduct business is just a really, really, really complicated game of poker. But the fact that it's so simple and so stripped down and so microcosmically under, uh, understandable by everybody, that's what makes it a big deal, in my opinion. Interesting. Matty, have you ever been a gambler? No. <laughs> But, uh, gambling is something like I, I grew up. I grew up in like a church household, so ah. I'm just like, no, gambling is the devil. But also, I've been gambling once when my parents were there, and they're just like, oh, they had like an airplane thing in Las Vegas based off of the movie of 1987 with Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> wow. and I bet a dollar and I won five. Oh, and nice. just like I call that a win. But that's it. That's, that's, well, you've done better than most gamblers do. Quite yeah, frankly, just right there. <laughs> if you stop, you, that, that, that is the golden rule of gambling: quit when yeah. you're ahead. Yeah, well, well gambling is just something I've never. It never appealed to me, like. So the idea of playing games for money just has no appeal. Like your favorite games wouldn't be more exciting if there was money on the line. For me, no. Like any time I've entered a lotto or anything like that, just mm. I, I think I know better than to expect anything from it, which is probably why I don't enjoy it. Mm. But I've also been like, as I've grown up, uh, any chance where I've had to to game, I always like my games to evolve with me. Mm. And that's why I get really, like, I don't watch a lot of sports. I get tired of poker. I get tired of a lot of these things very quickly. Mm. So I, I watch it, I understand it, and then after I understand it, I have to move on to something else. Otherwise, I just get bored of it. Like, I can't. And that's, um, so, so the idea of, uh, of getting into something as a, uh, as a, as a real-world money type of thing, mm-hmm. kind of, you, you would have to really dedicate yourself to it. To, to quote my production company, I just, I just can't stand sitting. So right. it's just... I've never been able to sit down and and dedicate time after time to something like poker or gambling or anything like that. So these, these these sort of games with real world stakes tend to be lifestyle games, don't they? And games that you dedicate yourself to. You identify I'm this. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, for well, I mean, anybody can gamble like uh, casually, right? You, anybody can just go and play LCR or just go hit a like one arm bandit. Yeah, that's that's not a problem. That's just. You know, having some fun with some budget, but the ones that want to make a who, who for whom this has an arc for it, which is either it's either a career or it's a chasing a dream or a dragon. Um, that's they are absolutely lifestyle games. Sure, like professional sports or professional high stakes poker, this sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and obviously, yeah, and the professional sports are the other uh, sort of type of, of real-world stakes that you'll see, uh, in addition to gambling games like blackjack and slot machines and poker and so on. You also see uh, tournament-level Magic the Gathering players, where the winners get big money and product endorsements and stuff. 
Um, do you think that these games are popular because of the money that's on the line? Or is there money on the line on these particular games because they're popular? The latter, absolutely. Um, so anything that there's a i can't remember who quoted this um you probably do but there was somebody a famous guy who said that anything worth doing is also worth doing for money <laughs> um there's i mean it's it's catchy and, and it's a little uh facile but it's but there's something to it right that um if the money itself doesn't isn't what makes it compelling the activity itself has to be compelling what you it has to give you the adrenaline rush the serotonin rush to to actually play otherwise we would just you, we just play russian roulette right <laughs> um, but the playing the game and mastering the game itself that's something that you are um, that is your arc not necessarily the, the the money is just a it's just positive reinforcement for it or it's a leaderboard or whatever you want to call it I suppose. Although there are a fair number of these games where mastery doesn't even enter into it. Something like slot machines, for example. Right. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can master blackjack to the extent that it's possible to do so, or Kino, or you, know, you can maximize your odds and craps. But uh, ultimately, in, in, a, in a lot of these sorts of games, mastery doesn't enter into it, and the money itself becomes the main attraction. Right. So that's, that is pure gambling. Mm. Right? That, so that's the stuff, that, uh, that's stuff that's legislated as much as possible because it is... Uh, skill is either irrelevant or uh, nearly irrelevant, and then absolutely, then then that's a pure uh, that's a pure addiction, uh, like addiction based uh, mentality, where you can it's fun to do once, but it's if you have issues with addiction, then you're going to fall into right. it because we it's, can talk about that and about the the Skinner box effect. Oh, sure, reinforcements a little bit later on. Sure. Gambling goes way, way back in human history. We always seem to want things to have real-world stakes. But at the same time, there's also this, uh, this taboo surrounding gambling. In, uh, in, in the history of many religions and many cultures, gambling is seen as something that is sinful and wrong. Uh, Maddie, can you speak to that at all from your upbringing, what it was about gambling that was seen as bad? How, how did, was it inculcated into you that this was something that you shouldn't do? Well, I think it's, it comes down to the concept of, of luck. A lot of Christian families don't believe in the concept of luck. Everything is by the grace of God and so on and so forth. Like well, the, that the, the old, especially okay to gamble though, right? I mean, well, either I'll I, win or I'll lose. You know, the the old concept is, is uh, luck is from Lucifer. Like oh. I remember my household, we weren't even allowed to eat lucky charms because, you know, I had luck in the title. So you didn't That's want hardcore. that. That's hardcore. Wow. Oh, they were, they were intense. Love, so, love you, mom and dad. <laughs> I've but like there's, the, there's the whole situation of like anything that's put up to chance isn't a conscious choice. It's not like some people would look at it. Oh, you're putting it in the hands of God. But most people would be like, oh, you're putting it in the hands of the earth. They're like a, a deadly, deathly, sinful way. So fascinating. Yeah, that's that's more of the concept of why luck is bad because it's not from God. It's putting your hands in the. It wasn't so much the, the, about the money that was involved then, so much as it was about the, uh, the theological question of, of involving chance. Mm-hmm. It sort of throws Crokinole into a new light. Uh, <laughs> Crokinole was invented by Mennonites because they wanted a family game they could play that wouldn't involve dice or cards. And hearing this, I, it's, it puts a whole new spin on it. It wasn't just about trying to avoid you know, the sinful, you know, worldly, money-grubbing gambling thing. It was also a spiritual thing, mm-hmm. making it deterministic. Yeah, and the whole concept of just uh, having that idea of luck being the driving force of a game, like you'd think they would be outlawing things like snakes and ladders, and well, yeah, that one's pure luck for sure. Yeah, everything would be Candyland. That's that's it, that's the also also pure luck. But uh, wow, that's interesting. Um, 
Eric, did your own background have uh, sort of any prohibitions against gambling? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was raised Catholic, the same thing, okay. right? And there was all, um, we had a... Um, Catholics also have laws against things like usury and so on. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, it's one of the... Uh, I have to be careful not to bring too much of my own baggage into this, but it's... it's okay. uh, it's, oh, bring, bring, bring it away. <laughs> your, your baggage is so pretty. But, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I mean, it's... It, it was well-intentioned, right? It's 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 a well-intentioned idea to, to protect people who's who don't have good judgment mm. against uh, against things with real life stakes, right? This is it's got lots of historical merit to it. Like uh, this was a culture that was based on old savage times when there were uh, when and lawlessness and all that stuff, where the stakes were life and death for everything. Right. If you gambled, you just there's nothing wrong with just killing your opponent, right? For uh, for winning money from you, that right. kind of thing. It's very wild west. Um, it. So I mean, I, in its historical context, I see it totally makes sense. Um, I grew out of that, of course, because it was uh, it, it was a, I didn't find it to be a very. It's not a very nuanced viewpoint, right? There's it's not anything uh, that's black and white. Doesn't yeah, it's not si- it's not True. sinful or not. It is obviously by degrees, right? It's by degrees and moderation and personal and all that stuff. So while I can take some of those lessons to heart, I absolutely don't, uh, I can't endorse it. Mm. So why aren't we content generally as, as for the most part to have contests or games without stakes? Why for some people would it not be enough to simply win or lose a game? Why does something real world, why does money have to be on the line to make it matter? I've always had a theory that the, generally, the the average person in our community today doesn't understand board games or game or gaming as a whole the way like the people in this room do or the people who are listening to this do. Like we understand that there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of games that we can play that have different degrees of satisfaction. Whereas the average person either doesn't have time for it or doesn't have the recognition of it or doesn't have like what do they know? They know sports and they know gambling. Mm. And so, if those are your only two outlets for gaming, I believe that gaming is a fundamental human desire that we all need. Like when we're growing up, one of the things we do is we play constantly growing we play up. Let's play playing, let's pretend. And then mm-hmm. after a while, it goes away, and you don't really get the chance to explore that anymore. So when you have these outlets, like if your only outlets are gaming and or sports and sports and gambling, then if you're not good enough to play sports, then you're left with a very very narrow viewpoint of what gaming actually is. Like barring video games, barring board games, barring everything else, you're just left with this little narrow slit to which you can play gamings with. And, and that's acceptable in society. Actually, ironically, that um, so I was not only raised Catholic, I was also raised uh, by German parents, but from the very Prussian side. So mm. like <laughs> um, we had that, the, the Prussian ideal, right, is that pastimes are also like sinful, right? right. So, and again, <laughs> historically makes sense. They were They were raised in a very harsh environment where... Like if you are not working all the time, you're going to die. Um, so, but that that translated to today. So, like I was raised with the don't play games. That's stupid. It's if you're not advancing your if you're not advancing yourself physically or whatever, um, exercising a muscle, then it's it's useless. Of course, um, you know we all know that gaming does exercise your uh, your mental and social flexibility, but that isn't understood quite as uh, quite as much by you know, a culture that stigmatized it for so long. Mm-hmm. And that's why, so if you come from that kind of background where pastimes are something that you shouldn't be doing, then um, playing for money is that brings the real world into it. Then actually you are advancing yourself. You are actually, I'm going to take a chance and make some money and feed my family and that kind of thing. 
Well, putting real-world stakes into a game can not only change the rules for a game, it can change the way we play it. It can corrupt it in a number of different ways. And obviously the word corrupt has a you know, very strong value judgment in it, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to stand by it. And it's not just like how side betting creates incentives to throw the game. Like we've all heard about sports scandals mm-hmm. with people who were bribed to throw a game. But even if you're betting on yourself to win in a sport, that, that you're not allowed to do that. As an athlete, you're not allowed to bet on yourself to win in a game because that means you're kind of betting against yourself in games when you're not betting for yourself. You, you, you push yourself harder in games when, you, uh, when, when you've got something on the line. And I think that that would also in some ways apply to games on the tabletop. If you're free to just play, you can make any choice. But if your livelihood is on the line, then you're incentivized to play more safely, more conservatively than you would if, uh, if there's something real on the line. Um, would you play your, your favorite games the same way because real-world money was going to be coming your way? Uh, personally, like half my fun of games is losing because I do that excessively well. Like I'm never, I've never been a great gamer. If you I mostly games. play games with four or five players at the table, you're going to lose more often than you win. You're oh, going to yeah. lose statistically four to four to five times. Yep. So, yeah. If I'm playing against like half the people I play against, I'm going to lose like almost 98 percent of the time because <laughs> I, I'm the kind of player who, after a little while, the, the fun I get out of it is just like, okay, I know I'm not going to win. Who can I prevent from winning? Right. And right. That's, right. Like I just go pure chaos and just like I'm going to take you down. Any way I can, we'll both go down screaming. And, and the meanness that we talked about last time in games can really, really get serious if somebody's got something riding on it. Like if their rent money is riding on it or something like that, yeah. that totally brings baggage from outside the magic circle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play real. I mean, so I have played, I've played games for money and I play games without for money. You play and poker it, for real money. All the time. And not, it's, not like a lot, but. Well, I shouldn't say all the time. I used to play very often, mm-hmm. but it's. Um, but again, it's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when the stakes are really small, I mean, I played LCR for like for you know pennies, and it it didn't change me much at all. It it keeps you honest. It makes you not. It does change like your your capriciousness level a little bit. Sure. But I would never play something like that for real life stakes. But that's, uh, I, and I would sorry, I should say I would also enjoy it much much less when the stakes are high enough. Right. Right. Any because then you have to win. You right. have to succeed, and none of most of the games that we play, the hobby games, they're not designed for that. Right? No. They're they're designed that they're designed to be uh, self corrected by social norms. Yeah, and they're supposed to be fun, regardless of whether you win or lose. Right, right. I just I just, I just want to end on a little bit of a public service announcement. There can be consequences for getting involved to too great a degree in playing games for real life stakes. Uh, gambling can become a serious behavioral addiction, and it destroys lives. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and you are struggling with gambling addiction, or if you know someone who is, you can go to the World Wide Web, uh, Problem Gaming on, sorry, problemgaminghelpline.ca has a lot of resources you can use anywhere in the world. If you run a Google search for gambling addiction help, you will find useful links. Uh, games should never be a thing that destroys lives. Don't let it be that for you. Don't let it be that for someone who you love. All right, that's it for this week. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Maddie, Eric, thank you so much for being here. Hey. Thank you. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it, not the company behind it. Thanks for listening.